Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Ingrid Moyle is our guest today on the podcast, and we haven't had a chat for quite a few months, so um, settle in as Ingrid and I catch up on life and times of the last little while, but um, in her other life, Ingrid is the founding director of Heart Harmony Communications, and while she wears many hats, including chicken hats and magician hats and <laughs> all those other hats, uh, today we're talking about websites. So she's here in the role of um, progressive website developer. Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to catch up again. Yeah, been a while, crocodile. It has. And we also have Snoopy on the podcast, who is the 15-year-old fangless wonder. Fangless, fangless wonder. <laughs> wonder. And he's a beautiful black and white cat who lives in the inbox, apparently. Yes, you've got to file the cat along with your other filing. He's, he's sort of like the mobile paperweight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely gorgeous. I would love to have a cat, but um, I also really love seeing the very tiny and beautiful native birds. So I'm somewhat torn. Now, the, mine are, are totally indoors. And so we have, there's a lot of enrichment going on to keep them amused, but they're f- fully indoors to keep the native wildlife um, safe and happy. Mm, nice one. Nice one. What is the latest and greatest? Maybe Maybe kind of describe what you what you do on the website world cool. nowadays. So one of the how how many communications as, as as you were saying we've got two hats. One of it is human resources, and the other side is websites. And it sounds like a funny mix, but we find that whether we're selling widget change managements to people or whether we're selling widgets um, to clients. It's the same concept, you're selling to humans. But what we're finding with a lot of, um, with the website world, is that a lot of uh, practices in particular get caught with what I call website unmentionables. We all sort of hope that um, our websites will just tick away and do their thing. You know, we've paid money, we hope they're all going to do the right thing by us. But when you actually peel back a few layers, there's all of this... um, embarrassing stuff that we don't talk about and that's the things that can get can catch practice managers in particular can catch them off guard and so the the classic one at the moment we're seeing is um a lot of private sector health providers don't know that they're actually caught up by a, a piece of legislation called the Privacy Amendment Notifiable Data Breaches Act. Oh, it's gosh, people have just pulled their cars over on the side of freeways. People are in tears, Ingrid, hearing that. <laughs> Going with the heavy stuff early. Yeah, we've got to start with the really heavy stuff because that's your mandatory reporting of yeah. data breaches one. <laughs> And most private sector, uh, private practice agent uh, people don't know that, that they're caught up with it. Yet they might mm. know that they've, they're caught up to a lesser or greater degree by the Privacy Act. But this one covers what happens if, say, you lose your phone, you lose your computer, your website gets hacked, or you accidentally send an email to somebody else and share a client's details by mistake and who hasn't done the wrong Yeah, I've just got my hand up on that one. Yeah, and so it's just a really common one. But that one has got some really nasty sting in the tail. 
And so with that particular act, you've got to um, not only tell the person of, hey, guess what I stuffed up? This is what I've, what I've done. This is which of your, your details have been disclosed. So say, for example, you've lost your mobile phone and it's got all of your client email details in there. You've got to let the client know, hey, I lost my phone and your email mm. details and all your files theoretically could be accessed if someone hacked in. But not only do you tell your client, you've got to give them information about what to do to protect their, their um, personal information and you have to notify the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner and there's multi-million dollar fines if you don't yeah. do that. OI. What is it? O-I-A-C. Oh, that's it, O-A-I-C. Yeah. Yep. So how does this relate directly to the website? To websites, quite often a lot of um, private practices will have simple things like a contact form at the back. So you've got, uh, or a booking form, you know, please, you know, book here type of thing. If, so, if you're keeping the information on the back end, so say someone's filled in a contact form and you've got a little database at the back that says, Mary Smith contacted you on this date about a booking for their, their child mm. and you get hacked, that information is now in the hacker's hands. So therefore you have to let these people know guess what, this information has been now disclosed and it's out in the, in the public domain. And so it's, it sounds funny, but websites, um, they're particularly health professional websites are targeted by hackers purely because they know that there's all of this rich data that can be used um, for identity theft, for potentially um, attacking a person and sort of disclosing mm. uh, embarrassing medical conditions and saying, well, let this person know that you've got X, Y, Z unless you pay us so much dollars. So websites are the, are the, um, the weakest link. And, so um, does it, with that scenario of online booking, that makes yeah. sense because that is health-sensitive information. What about when you're gathering a name and an email to add to a newsletter or something yeah, like that? Even any, yeah. any information because it has an, a name and an email is enough to, to trigger that particular piece of legislation for a health provider. If you're not a health provider and you're not covered by the privacy principles, you've got the exemptions. But given your industry, they're very mm. tight and that's part yeah. of the problem. And what we find, um, for example, there was a case in America, the um, Panama Papers case, and it wasn't a, in the health um, industry, but it was to do with a, a Panamanian law firm, and there was a hack, and 11.5 million um, files got hacked, and they were all to do with sort of the financial affairs of the rich and famous. And how they were hacked was the hacker went in via the website because someone hadn't updated the revolution slider, which is that little thing on the website that skids the pictures across, mm-hmm. hadn't updated that. So they went in through that slider, hacked into the website, and then because emails were going through the website and weren't through Office 365 or G Suite, they got the details and managed to get all access via the email system as well. That's all because just... of one little tiny plug-in that hadn't yeah. been updated. And I guess in Australia we've seen a few uh, notifiable data breaches with health systems and hospitals. Let's just get our government as well. Yes. They're not getting it right just yet. And that's what we're finding is a lot of the smaller providers are the ones that are being targeted um, and the ones that are actually coming, um, and they're the ones who are trying to do the right thing and report under that data breaches. Another thing that we see hackers do is if a health provider is linked to a government site, 
Um, so if, say, for example, you might be linking in terms of trying to access you know, NDIS funding or quit your funding, or you've got links into hospital systems. Backlinks or yeah, yep, stuff. Yep. So the hackers think, fantastic, you are the weakest link. So they target you to get to the government. Mm. So it's one of those things that we're seeing, particularly in health providers' sites, is it's all about cranking your security. You've got to not only think of your, your website as your house, and you make sure that you do things like lock the doors and shut the windows when you leave a house. Yeah. You also have to add a burglar alarm. And then if you're in a particularly dangerous area, you need to build a wall and then basically screen people yeah. coming to and from. Yeah. And that you can't really have enough protection and vigilance. Yeah. My website is maintained by absolute experts. Everything's up to date. Everything is checked on a weekly, monthly basis. I get yep. reports on everything. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but, you know, we had an interesting few hours with one of our pages leading to an adult, uh, very adult content site. And um, luckily a couple of friends not- noticed and messaged on a Saturday afternoon and my provider was able to fix it Saturday night and all the rest of it. So, yeah, they got through. Even the smallest website, the one that everybody says, oh, why would they be interested in me, still averages 62 hack attempts a day, according to WordFence, 62 per day. Now, if you think about it in terms of a drive-by coming to your house, if you've got 62 people per day coming and rattling your door to see if you've accidentally left something unlocked, it's only a matter of time before they get in. Yeah. And that's your thing with your hackers. You've got to stop, you've got to secure your site, you've got to screen all your visitors and then you've got to figure out how can you recover if the worst happens. And that's what you've done is you figured out your, your strategy to recover if the worst happens. Well, it was about having a great team behind me who yeah. could yeah, could get the work done. They literally got it done in two or three hours as it turned out, so it was good. Oh, and, it's, and it is that never-ending. You've got to have decent support, decent hosting because um, you're only in, with your website hosting, you're only as good as, the, as your neighbours next to you. And if you've got cheap shared hosting, you've got cheap shared neighbours, mm. not necessarily in a good neighbourhood. So you've created a gap, that potential security gap. And we see, and then another the quite common hack is through that unpatched themes and plugins. Mm-hmm. Each website has got software that drives it and yep. that software you've got to pop in and update it once a week or so. You can't leave it for years and years and years because they're constantly releasing security patches. And it's something that unless you've had that negotiation with your web designer is who's going to do the patches, guess what? It's yours. Yeah. So do you find that a lot, that websites get built and then just like a garden, they're just left to fend for themselves and that that's where business owners think the story ends? Definitely. They all think it's a set and forget, particularly if it's their first website and they don't know what they don't know. And so it's it's like um, a website is like washing your hair. If you don't wash your hair and brush your hair regularly, it gets in a tangled mess. And that's what happens with your website. Unless you pop in and, like I said, update your plugins and themes at Mm. the very least once a week, it's going to get in a tangled mess back there. And not not knowing that you've got to ask that question of your web designers, who is going to maintain it? Can you teach me or can I pay you to do it? Unless you know to have that conversation, you don't know what you don't know and this is awful mess ends up in the back end of your site and it leaves you vulnerable to hacking and it also means that your site won't last as long as it should. 
Yeah, I see that maintenance as just the best investment. Whilst it may not be dreadfully complex, the maintenance and the clicking and the updating and the thising and the thatting, I don't even know what it is, fair to say. (laughs) I've got just things to do that I find more interesting and that are more helpful and useful to other Mm -hmm. people. And there's other people on the planet who can't think of anything better than to make sure my site is safe and sound and making suggestions and upgrading this and changing that and just letting me know. And yay, we're all win-win, happy, happy, making our own impact. But my team actually prefer it when I'm nowhere near the website. (laughs) And, it, and it's the, that whole thing about accountability within a team. Yeah. If everybody is accountable for like somebody in the team. Can you just update it this week? It'll never get done. So if you're going to have it done within your team, you have to add it to a position description and have it as a role accountability. If it's not going to be done within the team, you need to be clear as to who you're outsourcing and what are the boundaries of that, that role and responsibility. And the chain of command if something breaks. Yes, because it's really common. What we're seeing is because websites are remarkably complex moving pieces, Mm. some plugins when you update them will break everything. And it's a case of, well, what are you going to do? Are you simply going to roll it back to a previous version? Who's going to talk to the developer to say something broke? You know, Mm. at at what point do you get involved and at what point do dollars change hands? Because things break. That's just how it is. So that was the first unmentionable. That's a good one. It's a nice it's big a, one. The rock star, the rock star of <laughs> website unmentionables. One. What else don't we know that we need to? Another really common one that I see, um, again, particularly for people who are on their first or maybe second website, is they don't know that the web designer has actually registered their name, their domain name, in the web designer's name and not yours. Oh, yeah, I made this really mistake common. early on. Yep. It's, yeah, I just had no understanding what it was all about. No, so you just say, oh, look, you build a site, you register the name. But it only they don't realise that what they're doing is it's like, again, handing the deeds to your house mm-hmm. to somebody else. And it's not well, it even is legit. your real estate. Yeah, it is. It's your real estate. Mm. And so it's actually quite a bit of a messy process at times, depending on how nice or nasty your web designer is, yeah. to get your name back because you need to own your name. So the name is in the URL. URL, the, that's it. The link, big long link that's in that little box at the top. That's it. And that's the one that you need to own because no matter what, that has to be linked back to you and you have to own it so you can do with it as you will over the years. Mm. But that's really, really common, losing control of your name. Linked to that is losing control of knowing what, who actually has it. Did you register it with Crazy Domains or somewhere else? <laughs> Who had it? Where was it? How do you log in? When it due to expire? I might have had an expired URL in my past life. Just don't tell anyone, but it might have happened to me. It happens really common. And if you've got emails going to that, guess what? When your name expires, your emails suddenly go into nowhere. Yeah. Yep. And so know your dates. Know where things are. Who, who hosts your website? Where's your name registered? And when are your bills due? Yep. Really important stuff and it's just basic but it's really easy to lose track of those those little things. Yeah, the whole business can grind to a halt because a payment oh, deadline right. is missed. Really, really easily. And linked to that, we've got the, uh, the a third one of another unmentionable is that quite often businesses change names. So if you've merged or you've, you've decided that the name that you had wasn't any good anymore, it's, it, you needed to grow. So you've changed your business name, you've changed your URL, so you let your old one lapse. 
Great, fantastic, except if you had an email attached to it, the latest hacker joy is they go back and re-register your domain name, get access to your emails, and then do all of the fun things, the fish, the people, take the details, the personal details, and um, use them for nefarious purposes. And so what I now say is if you've got a domain name and you've ever had an, an email attached, an info at, admin at, didn't matter what it was, mm. guess what? You've got that domain name till you die. Yep. Never, ever, ever stop renewing that yeah, one. For a few bucks a year. It's, it's just that peace of mind purely because the hackers are now targeting it. They never used to. Now they do. So keep your name. You don't have to keep your hosting, but always keep your name so that way you've got control of those emails because, again, if you don't want all of your confidential client stuff going to some um, criminal uh, group in, in China, Russia or wherever they are. So you can have the, the name of the business and the URL for the business and you can just have it in a bit of a library for one of a better expression and it doesn't have to be active and hosting no. and the rest of it. You just renew your right to own that URL. Keep it and I always say point, point it to the new one. Point it yeah, to the true. new one yeah, that's, as well. Yeah. So if someone is trying to find you under the old address, it'll t- point to the new one and it just seems so much easier. Got it. That's cool. All righty. What else have you got up your sleeve for us? Another messy one that we see in unmentionable is backups. Oh, chill the Chardonnay. This is This horrendous. one's a fun one. And so we all think that our websites without are hosted and that we think that the hosts have backups of our website because they all advertise, fantastic, I've got 30 days of backups with your website. Brilliant. Except when it isn't. Uh, for example, we saw A2 hosting in America this year and uh, they all got hit by ransomware. Only trouble was all of the backups that A2 hosting had on that server also got hit by ransomware. So unless you've got your own personal backups and you're relying just on your host to do your backups, congratulations, you got nothing. So, what so we now say, explain for a quick little minute, yeah. we'll just derail because it's going to happen eventually, what's ransomware? Ransom- for the layperson. Ransomware is where a hacker basically turns all of your files into gobbledygook, encrypts mm. it with a special pass key and says, you need to pay me one or two bitcoins to release, I will give you the key to your data to un- unscramble it for you. Um, we're seeing it a lot in America in particular, yeah. particularly in the health, health yeah. sector. A lot of hospitals are being yep. attacked by it and all of the files get encrypted and corrupted, basically, and unless yep. you pay the ransom, you you can't unencrypt it, and that's where backups come into play. If you've got if you've got control of your backups, then that issue isn't an important one. You can just sort of say, "Lovely, thank you, go away." We'll reinstall from we'll reinstall startup. If yep. you don't have backups, or you're relying only on your host to do your backups, then you're you're really over the um, proverbial. God, this is such a cheery chat. I know. I told you it's unmentionable. I know. I like thinking about it. Okay. Okay. So with your backups, with your website, definitely have good hosting, but do your own backups. And so I always tell my clients, you know, I use a thing called Updraft Plus. It's a a plugin you can either have free or paid. And I back up all of our client files to either Dropbox or Google Drive, depending on which is their preference. Mm purely because I've been caught. We had one hack um, back in March and the hackers didn't just come in. They actually went in and deleted the backups that we had stored in Updraft Plus Vault. And once the file goes from Vault, that's it. You never have it again. 
which was particularly spectacular. Mm. And so we've now learnt that you always back up somewhere where you, even if it's deleted, you can get it back again, which is why we say Google Drive or Dropbox mm. two really good options for, for, for the smaller businesses. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yep. Good one. Good one, good one, good one. What, yep. um, what's next? What else is unmentionable okay. but critical, really? We talk, um, I always keep coming back to the, it's your house, is your, your website is your digital home. It's your mm. online home. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of shutting and locking your windows and your doors when you leave your normal house. Classic example of, of keys to your door. So on your website, you've got what's called themes, and that's the thing that gives your website the look and feel. So yep. it's, it's in a car perspective, it's like the Toyota Camry thing. Mm. To have extra functionalities, there's a thing called plugins, and that's things like for your sunroof or your car, but it might be something like gravity forms or it might be some security or it might be a whole raft of a calendar other or a shop or all yeah. of that stuff of plugins. Every plugin is a key to your front door. Every theme is a key to mm. your front door. What you need to do is to make sure you know where your keys are. I know that sounds crazy, but just like in a normal house, you keep an eye on how many front door keys you get cut, the same on your website. With your plugins and your themes, if you're not actively using it, delete it. Delete it, yeah. If it's no longer being supported or looked after in, in, the, in the repository, delete it. And if it's been removed from the repository, delete it. It's all about you can always get things back later if you need to, but if you're not actively losing it, using it, get rid of that key to the front door. And keep them up to date as well. Oh, Link to those two go together. Mm. And it's one of those things that you, you need to pop in periodically and have a look at what you've got in that back end. Who installed that plugin? What is it being used for? Is it still valid or if it isn't, get rid of it. And, and yeah. This is why maintenance is is so well done by experts. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 or having someone in your team who loves doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. they get their, their jollies out of the tech stuff and that's what they're great at doing, fantastic. They can do it. And it's, it is easy enough to learn how to maintain. Even on my blog, I've got a how to do your basic maintenance to teach people. But if that's not where your strength or your passion is, that's one to outsource. Give it to somebody else. Yeah. We yeah. must get a link to that blog for with this to sit with this episode. That'll be Happy super, super, yep. super, super helpful. The guys will follow that one up. Brilliant. Another what? unmentionable. Yeah. Okay. While we're talking unmentionables and we're talking keys to your front door, another key to your front door is the actual username that you use to log into the back end of your website. The most common name that people have is admin. That's the most common one that WordPress gives you when you try to set up a, as a username. And the whole thing is that the hackers know admin is the number yeah. one common username. If you've got admin as your username, you've got as much security as one of those, you know, the kids' diaries you can buy with a little tiny lock from Kmart. The little cute gold glittery padlock. The glittery ones with a little tiny padlock. In the they same work, thing. don't they? They work beautifully. For, for 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and that's it. You try As a kid, you're trying to stop your, your little brother or sister knowing which of your friends farts, that's, that's mm. all that you put in mm. your diary. It's not useful for your website. If you've got admin as your username, first thing you do is set up a new user with a much more solid um, username and password mm. because a username with admin, and particularly if you've got password as your password, 
the name of your um, website as your password, your name as your password. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. One of the most, the top 100 hacks or even the first name of your child and their date of birth. The longest it's going to take a hacker to get in is 30.6 seconds. That's all it's going to take for them to get in. Got one of the, the really easy ones like one, two, three, four, five or password, zero seconds. Yeah. So how often should you change your password? Just like any other password. I usually say this is a really good thing on the lead up before Christmas with a glass of red wine and you just work your way through all your passwords and change them all at one time. Gosh. All at one hit. You just sit and have it. The, and by the end of it, you, you just hope that you've got a really good password keeper, you know, last pass, one pass, yeah. one, and you change everything all in one hit. I wonder if the passwords get better and better with every glass of red. They, well, they do, but they you've, got to, you've got to have 16 characters. Yeah. Levels of complexity. So it's capital, lowercase, a number, and a symbol. And that's what you're looking at these days is 16 characters. What we're seeing, um, a, a way to get around it is a phrase that pays. One of my clients taught me this one years ago because you want to have a unique password for every single site. And so you find your phrase that pays. It might be, I go to Facebook to buy my milk on Tuesdays. And yep. you pick the first letter of that phrase yep. and it becomes unique because you've got yep. Facebook in there acronym. somewhere. Yeah. And if you go to Twitter, I go to Twitter to buy my milk on Tuesdays. And it's the same phrase, you're just varying it depending on the site. And so you pick the first letter of those, add in some symbols and some numbers and Bob's your uncle or your auntie, depending mm. on which way it goes. Mm. And, um, mm. and that's one that you can you then vary your phrase that pays. So that way, that's all you've got to remember is your phrase that pays. Whereas me, I have Norton Password Keeper and I have incredibly complex 16 characters that there's not a hope in hell I'd remember normally. Yeah. yeah. We use LastPass um, yeah. and that's pretty pretty solid and great for team as team come in and out. Uh, that. Yeah, allocate who has can. what, access yeah. to what and pretty You've got to have that and you've got to have your dual factor wherever you can, the double mm. factor login. Yeah. So one of the things, for example, if, if you, I always say that once you've got your, sec- your security, you've done your keys, your doors and windows, the next thing is to add on a security alarm, which is a security plugin. Something like WordFence, iTheme, Security, SecureEye, something like that is like a burglar alarm. Mm-hmm. So all that's doing is, is checking people as they come in and say, no, you can't enter, and they wander around your house and have a look to see what's been broken. That's what a, a burglar alarm does. Yeah, yeah. It's got yep. some deterrent value, but it's that's all it's doing on your website. And some of them, like WordFence, the paid version in particular is a good one, that has dual factor built in. So if someone's trying to log in, you've got to have those double, um, those dual factors to try and get someone through. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. I've just made a note. It's it's a good one. Um, like every any plugin, it's only as good as your neighbours and your hosting. Mm. So anything like that can still lull you into a false sense of security. It's just another form of security. Just like a burglar alarm won't stop a determined burglar, yeah. it'll resist some, it'll mm. deter some people, but it won't stop a determined burglar. Same thing on your website. Mm. Plug-in will do some help or will help towards resisting the, the, um, the drive-bys but won't stop the determined one. Yeah. All righty, what have you got next for us? Mm. So we've got our plug-ins. Once we've added the the next level is once you've got your burglar alarm, unmentionable, Mm. it's to build a wall. (laughs) You want to have that almost gated community stuff. And 
what a wall does, a web application firewall, a WAF as they call it, is it, it's like when you go to the airport and you know when you go, you have to get your, your, your handbag searched before you even get anywhere near a plane. Mm. That's what a, a WAF or a web application firewall does. Cloudflare's got one. And so a lot of people go, yeah, I'm on Cloudflare. They're using the free version and what that does is that stops denial of service, you know, the, the DDoS type attacks, mm-hmm. but it's not a WAF. To get that little wall put in, it's 20 bucks US per month as an additional thing. And what that does is it screens people before they even get anywhere near your site. It's for what? On. For what are they? What are, what's it checking for? It's checking their IP addresses to see whether okay. they've been involved in nefarious things, um, looks at attack vectors. So, you know, are they looking suspicious? Are they hitting your site, trying to find vulnerabilities? They're going where they shouldn't go. It, if it picks mm. that up, it automatically blocks them. And so particularly for um, high sensitivity sites, definitely look at Cloudflare Pro or Securize, another one that's got a a WAF in it, purely because you want to keep people at arm's arm's length away from your sensitive data. And what would you describe as a high sensitive site? Anything that's, this is where where the, the trick comes in. If you've got a lot of client confidential data, so say you've got your client booking forms in there, you're you're obviously a magnet for the hackers. You want to actually crank the security because you want to keep your client data safe. So booking links that go direct to your practice management software calendar? Yes, anything like that starting okay. to tell you you're heading towards that sensitive point of your, mm. of your tech and you really do need to look at something like Cloudflare Pro just to keep the people away, the ones who shouldn't be there. Yeah, Okay. And but you're, that, if you're working with good webbies, they should be able to guide you on all of this as well, shouldn't they? A lot of you good, a good webby will. Mm. Um, what we find is that there's some webbies don't understand how serious it is for the health industry. They certainly mm. have not heard of the mandatory question. You ask your webby, have you heard of mandatory reporting of data um, breach? breach. Yep. If they haven't heard it, they're not a good webby for you. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense, it's almost a screening tool for you. Mm, okay. So another it. screening tool is if you have a look in the back end of your website and you see a plugin called Hello Dolly, they're also not a good webby. <laughs> Hello Dolly was one Do of the you even old, want me to ask? Oh, it was one of the first plugins that was ever created by the guy who created WordFence, a WordPress, sorry. And it it has absolutely no purpose except to give you quote you lines from Hello Dolly in the back end of your website. <laughs> Any good web designer will know that that's a joke and delete it. It's, it's the canary in the mine. So if, you, if you're looking at <laughs> the back of your site and you've got a hello, Dolly, telling you to go find another web designer. I think at this point people are log- trying to find their password to try and log into their own website. And seeing if they can see hello, Dolly. <laughs> classic. It, and that's it. It is a classic. But a lot of the um, the WordPress releases a link to jazz and, and classical musicians um, because they, they've, they obviously have a, a musical theme throughout it. But Hello Dolly is, is a classic. <laughs> I'm very optimistic it won't be on ours, but I am still going, going to look, fair it's, to say. It's funny. It's, and it is. It's the very first thing I always look for because if it's there, that tells me that security is probably not being, is not being set up correctly we're missing some what I call access controls to try and stop the bad dudes getting into parts of your site that they shouldn't because the two go together. We're missing, it's quite often the, the dates have been set up incorrectly, the times have been wrong. Yeah. It's just the canary in the mine and that's all it is. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. All righty. What else have, uh, are, are, are there more? Are there more unmentionables? The, probably there's the, the one more thing, and I'll, I'll only go to that, that one more thing, is the emails. And particularly mm. for health practices, don't have your emails going through your hosting. It's a lot of people go, it's when we buy a website, we want our emails to be cheap. And so we put it through our hosting. It's similar to what we talked about with the, um, the Panama Papers, if they hack your site, they then can hack your emails. For any commercial or, or any sort of health industry, you want your emails to be done through G Suite or Office 365. Talk to a really good IT person, get it set up, get it as far away from your hosting as possible. So you can still have your domain name. Of course. You're still going to have your domain name. set up all of that stuff. But it just goes to a different, through a different post office box. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it's doing. It's going through a different tech end. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much more secure. You're probably going to have better spam filtering, so you're going to get less um, junk junk hitting your inbox. And the main thing is it's, it's more secure and it's going to be more effective for your practice. Yeah, nice. What a great roundup. Have you got any other, I know you could talk underwater all day about this, any other other sort of pro tips for this? I guess this comes under cyber safety in a way, isn't it? It is. It's all of these things are all about increasing the safety of your clients, your business and yourself online because all of these things go together. If you've got to have safe, secure emails, you've got to have safe, secure websites and linked to all of that means that you actually then have to have a decent antivirus program on your own computer mm. because if your computer has got is running virus or malware and then you log into your website, guess what? You've then transferred it to your website so you are the cause of the problem, if that makes sense. So linked to that, you need to actually look at your own each computer in your office to make sure that you're running decent antiviral software just to try and protect. It's it's an increased protection um, for your practice. And linked to that one is that your website needs to be running what they call an SSL. Mm -hmm. um, So that's that little padlock. If you look at the URL at the top of your, um, your, in your search browser, the little padlock isn't just about protecting your clients. It also protects you when you try and log into the back end of your website. It's like covering your PIN number when you're at the ATM. That's all it's doing is from your side of things, it's giving that extra level of protection to stop hackers potentially snooping and seeing how you log in. And I suspect increasingly consumers will be looking for that padlock. I've noticed that it's appeared on Zoom very recently after their troubles with um, hackers accessing the camera. Um, just in the last couple of months. But if you're, you know, purchasing and making a financial transaction, you're wanting to make sure that your data as it um, pixels through the interweb so that you can get what you're purchased, increasingly looking for that. And that's exactly right. What we're finding is that a lot of the browsers like Chrome, um, Firefox, they're all starting to tell you this this website is not secure. And yeah. so, and they're getting brighter and brighter shades of red and taking up more and more real estate. And so you don't want your website to be one of those ones that they flag as not secure. Get the little SSL. Most of most hosts now include it as, as a free offering as part of their package. And get your webby person to, to do the changes that need to happen at the back end so that the little padlock will show properly. And it just increases everybody's security. Yeah. And I said I wasn't going to mention GDPR. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I won't other than to say what is it and how is it relevant? Okay. If your client base is primarily in the European Union, there was new legislation that kicked down last year that said people have a right to know what information is being kept about them and how to manage it. And so the GDPR is the European Union's way of managing privacy. So from a website perspective, you need to have an alert that pops up that says, hey, do you consent to a cookie being put on your computer? Do you consent to um, us gathering your data and this is how we're going to use it? Do you, and if you don't, aren't happy, you tell us and we've got to take your data away and delete it. There's all of these rules around that, but that's only if you are having clients in the European Union. Most of the private practices only work within Australia, um, so that's, that's not as relevant. But if you are deliberately targeting businesses over in the European Union, then you have to comply with the GDPR requirements. I and guess there's some lot. fun to be had in defining client. Mm. Uh, so if you're um, delivering online training and running international global webinars, yeah, yeah. That is a client if you're... It is. If you, but it's only if you target, if you actively target. Oh, okay. Actively targeting to the UK, for example, pre-Brexit, um, then <laughs> yes, you get caught up. But mm. if you're not actively targeting, there's still a lot of debate about whether you need to comply or not. Linking back to Australia, though, we still have very strong privacy requirements and so every health practice, for example, needs to have its own privacy policy clearly on its website. You need, to, If you're selling things, you need to have uh, terms and conditions clearly on your website. And so we still have our own legal requirements that every health practice needs to look at. Yeah, it's amazing how absent those two documents are yeah. from websites. Oh, and it's... I, I did a, a study about six months ago where I checked out all of the free and paid offerings that I could find around GDPR and around free templates for policies and procedures. And there's a lot on the market. There are some good free ones um, and there's some good paid ones and there's an awful lot of shonky brothers. Mm. And so for a practice, though, I would say it's probably one that you need to have a chat with your particular lawyer about to make sure that it's, it's picking up all of the, the different um, variances with, with that, that you need to cover for your information. And to keep up with those checks, um, yeah. our timing you mentioned, I, I was talking with um, my legal advisor yesterday about exactly this. He mm-hmm. wrote a bit of a check and he said, they're okay, but they're not brilliant. Right, yeah. Everyone who's copied mine is now in, you know, warm water and um, yeah we're just going to strengthen it a little more and change it and um, make sure that it's current and doing what it needs to do so um, yeah the law is constantly changing and one of the challenges is to keep up and so with any practice it's to me it's any you always want to look at your privacy policies your terms of trade you also want to look at your basic um Everything to do with your refund policies, to your booking policies, to your um, if you your invoice policies, all of that stuff. I'd just say run past your lawyer every couple of years to pick up the changes in legislation. Yeah, yeah. How do you help allied health business owners get all of this good stuff done and get them safe and happy and compliant? Mm-hmm. A lot of them, um, a lot of what we find with a lot of practices is they sort of start with what we call an audit. They throw everything at me and say, I'm in a mess. I'm in a tangle. I've got 18 domain names. I have no idea where two of them are hosted. I don't know where they are. Can you fix it? 
is the total brief. And so then we go through that whole back end and look at, well, what have you got in that back end? How has it been set up? How's your ownership? How's your security? And we fix it and make sure that it's all tidied up, put in a nice little bundle where they know where everything is and they know exactly where everything is is located. Yeah. We'll either teach them how to do the maintenance themselves if they're wanting this one of their staff to do it, or we do the maintenance for them depending on what wherever they're at. We work with them wherever they're at. Yeah. So I guess there's a take-home message that there's always something to do with your website. It's never done, uh, but there's really, really good help around that sort of uh, demystifies the language and the techie side of it and brings it down to human and useful. Mm, Definitely. There's always somebody. There's great VAs out there. doesn't matter where you are in Australia, you will find some really good web developers or Mm. web designers. Um, have a look at any of the ones who are active in what's called WordCamp. WordCamp is sort of the the peak WordPress body um, for people who build or design in WordCamp at WordPress across Australia. And there's WordPress meetups regularly. So anybody who's active in that community tends to be somebody who wants to know more and understands the importance of this stuff. I, for example, just recently spoke at WordCamp Brisbane, which is is one of the largest ones um, in Australia specifically about this topic, about hacking and unmentionables and how as a web designer, what should you be doing for your clients to help them to Mm. deal with the situation and how do you help them recover? And we had 500 different web developers from across Australia all trying to look at this topic. So there's people out there. It is a case of just checking to see who's in your local area, checking the hello dolly is the the first Mm. simple, checking to see if they understand mandatory disclosure of data breaches and once you've got those questions, then getting help. Yeah. How about you run a bit of a shout out to your website? Oh, thank you very much. Yep. Our website is heartcoms, H-E-A-R-T-C-A-M-M-S dot com dot A-U. We do a regular blog on lots of um, topics related to small business websites. And there's we, we tend to take a more training um, type approach. So there's quite often we will have step-by-step here's a screenshot, here's how you do things, here's things to look for mm. to make it as easy okay. as possible. Just skills. remind me, are you at all active on Facebook? I am. <laughs> yes, you can find us on Facebook as well. Um, we, we're also on LinkedIn just to make it fun. We're in, we're in, for Facebook, we're in Heartcoms. You just search up Heart Harmony Communications yeah. and you'll find us there as well. Good fun. Good fun. I love your Facebook posts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any last little, last little, I I just love that we've mentioned all the unmentionables. Is there any kind of parting, uh, parting thought you want to leave us with? Websites can seem overwhelming and when particularly if it's not your comfort zone, Mm. with anything with websites is to take it a little tiny piece at a time, get one thing sorted, then move on to the next thing and then get move on to the next thing. And don't panic. There's always somebody out there who can help. Love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll get you back for some further website chats next year. So um, thanks, Ingrid. Wonderful catch-up. Good to catch up. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. 
While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues.